you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, November 1st, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest. Welcome to November special guest. He's our resident QB. He's our Super Bowl champion, our former number one overall pick. He's the TA analyst. He's the Bakersfield bomber. He's David Carr. Welcome back, DC. Thanks, buddy. Just tired from putting up Christmas decorations last night. Uh, putting up Christmas decorations oh, yeah. last night. As soon as night. Halloween's over, it's it's instant. I'm sorry. Wow, a lot of people wait till Thanksgiving nope. for that, but we've just gotten a window into the car mm-hmm. compound. Love uh, it's Halloween and then right to Christmas. Thanksgiving gets like a three-day window. Yeah, right, right there at the end of <laughs> November. <laughs> I've always wanted to ask you this. What's the best play you ever made as a football player? It could have been at any level. Could have been peewee, could have been high school, could have been college. Could have been in the pros. What was the best play you ever made? My favorite play ever was I was playing for Carolina, went to run on a third down, and I got about seven yards from the sticks, realized that I wasn't going to make it, can't slide, can't go back to the sideline, defeated. And all that was in between me and the first down was Derek Brooks and Rondé Barber. <laughs> and I said, you know Oh, what? only that. I could slide or, or I could jump. And I, so I jumped and split both of them, and they hit each other. And I went over the top. Barrel rolled, got the first down, got up, did a little first down point like Michael Irvin, realized that I wasn't touched. Thank God the officials declared that I gave myself up. And there's a perfect <laughs> shot of that that I had signed by Derek and Rondé because I played golf a lot with Rondé Barber, and Derek Brooks is just the salt of the earth. So they actually were nice enough to sign it for me. That's my favorite play ever. Oh my God, I'm so glad I asked. Okay, now, now comes the flip, <laughs> the flip side of the coin. What was the worst decision you ever made on a football field? So my very first I time, love that you have instant oh, answers for goes, both of these. Because I, I have, you I guys mean, never forget, We do won't you? forget that stuff, okay, man. Okay, here we go. The what is very it? first time I got, the chan- I got a chance to play in Bulldog Stadium, I was a freshman, and Jeff Tedford put me in the game. And we're going to run the clock out. We're up. My defense is pitching a shutout. We had scored like 20-something points. I feel great. We're kind of backed up. We're like on the eight-yard line, like our, our, our own eight. So we call a little, you know, toss to the left. Well, unfortunately, Drew, it wasn't a toss. It was a direct handoff. So as I spun around and tossed it out of the back of the end zone and gave two points to San Diego State, I ruined the shutout. I made my girlfriend, who now is my wife, cry because it's the first time she saw me play. So she was like, well, he sucks. So this isn't going to work out well for either one of us. So that was my worst play ever. Oh, God, I so appreciate that story. Wonderful story. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. And on today's show, it's quite simple. Which week nine game will be the better watch? Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, Eagles, or Dolphins, Chiefs? You know what? In truth, David, no matter what your answer is, let's have yeah. a word on all three of those sure. games, no matter what, because schedule makers for the win. If you dig into this week nine schedule in the NFL, there's gold oh, in them Lar Hills. Man. But of those three, what's your what's your instinct? Cowboys, Eagles, 
Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, Chiefs. Oh, man. If you could only watch one, that would be a minor tragedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, which would you make sure to uh, watch? I probably why? would get up early and watch and, and watch the Dolphins and the Chiefs, just because I think that it's just so much fun to watch both these offenses when they're playing well. I love what Pat has done. Obviously, with Andy, they're struggling a little bit right now, but they could just as easily in Germany find their way and find some traction and find someone opposite Travis that can do something. Chris Jones is going to have something to say about this football game. Push the pocket a little bit make to his life really difficult but I mean Tyree kills the story here because him against the Kansas City Chiefs and that secondary is like you know they're only going to be able to do so much you're going to have to play off of him Steve Spagnuolo is not a dumb guy he understands that Tyree can run by everybody that he trots out there so coverage wise you have to be able to make sure that you're in good position but I mean if you don't think Mike McDaniels is down there in Miami just scheming up a monster day for Tyreek to have against Kansas City you're crazy it's going to be super fun to watch man I'll have my coffee ready to go Tyreek Hill has scored a touchdown in every single game this season except for one and that was the October 1st game against the Bills at Highmark Stadium can we learn something from what the Bills did uh, to the Dolphins and by extension to Tyreek or maybe specifically to Tyreek on that day he was held to three receptions for 56 yards I love that even in an off day three receptions he still managed over 19 yards of reception (laughs) Um, but no touchdowns stayed out of the end zone what can we infer from that performance that may give Steve Spagnola and the Chiefs defense a little bit of hope that, yes, all right, we can't stop him necessarily, but, yes, he can be contained? Yeah, you, I mean, you, gotta, you have to play I – mean, they call it a shell coverage, but you essentially have to cover this guy like an umbrella. You have to have – you know, corners can't necessarily run with him. So what you have to do at the corner position is you have to play kind of like a trail technique and really kind of feel out the route concept. Okay, what does that, that mean getting. exactly? So this trail is almost playing underneath him. You know, where you're going to just trust that the safety or the safeties, multiple safeties usually in the case of Tyreek, are working towards him to protect from the deep shot down the field. Now, you can get in situations where... So you're keeping him in front of you. Uh, The the end zone is behind you. Yeah. And he stays in front of you at all times. Yeah, at all times. Now, can we assume that there's a cornerback who was on him at the line of scrimmage or at least tried to be on yeah. the line of scrimmage, and now you have an ostensible bracket. Exactly, and that's the beauty of what Mike McDaniels does is he doesn't really let you do that pre-snap. He moves because he's so moving much. Yeah, he'll so line much. up tight end. He'll move him across the field, and you get the Miami Dolphin, you know, what Kyle Shanahan calls cheating, their motion where he's literally running full speed at the snap. So to think that you're going to be able to play corner and then run with him as he's already at 20 miles an hour at the snap is like it's not possible. So you have to kind of umbrella coverage of this guy. and so But that leaves so much space, and that's why you see him go for these huge chunks it leaves so much space in the middle of the field you know that's where you see him catch these big in routes these big slant routes I mean I've seen Tua throw it to him in like the third window usually like when you come out of an in-breaking route you want to throw it right out of his break you know it's hitting the guy as he's coming out of his break well Tua will just kind of wait he'll just kind of let him clear you know the underneath coverage get to the other side of the ball I've seen him throw in routes that he was supposed to throw on the right side of the field throws it on the left side like past the hash mark you know and but that requires protection that requires a team that doesn't push the pocket. Chris Jones, if he loves anything, he loves rushing the passer. Like that's his superpower is like, you can run the ball, that's great, but I wanna go get the quarterback. I wanna disrupt the pocket. And that's the one thing that Buffalo was able to do. They can disrupt the pocket, push it. You know, then Tua's not 6'5", you know, so he's gotta have a little bit of space where he can see. And Mike does a good job of using play action and using some space to kind of create pockets that move. Like when you watch the Dolphins, their pocket's not always right behind the center. Mike does a good job of kind of, I like to call them like rotating pockets. Like the pockets will just go from like right behind the center, it'll go to the left tackle and it'll move a little bit. So that's that's how he creates space for Tua to kind of buy time for Tyreek to work. But 
But Chris is a monster, man. Like, he's so good. They're so much better when he's on the field defensively. It's going to be a great test because they're going to be able to do things that Buffalo is able to do, kind of get pressure where maybe Buffalo does it with a collective four or five guys. You know, the linebackers will kind of hit it every once in a while. Like, Kansas City can do it with four. They don't have to necessarily bring those extra guys in there. You talked yesterday about what you have seen from the San Francisco 49ers offense over the last few weeks and how teams have affected the timing, have disrupted Brock Purdy's timing, yep. and have turned him from this wunderkind into somebody who is a young man who still has work to do. By extension and by extrapolation, we can look at this Steve Spagnuolo Chiefs defense, and the trick to stopping Tyreek is to disrupt the timing of Tua. That's right. To invade, push that pocket. That's exactly right. Get him off his base. Don't give him the time. It's funny when you said Tua will wait. Just those three words together is not something you hear a lot in the Tua Tonga-Vailoa era. Yeah. Tua will wait. We're so used to him being the guy who gets it out of his hands very, very quickly, mm -hmm. as quickly as anybody in the NFL, that perfect kind of point guard, distribute, yep. distribute, distribute. So the notion of him waiting at all seems anathema to what I remember as a, a watching yeah. this Miami Dolphins offense. But of course, you're not waiting quite as long as a mere mortal is when <laughs> you have Tyreek streaking into space. You're not waiting a full second and a half. You're waiting tenths of a second yeah so there's different elements so like the the cool part about what they do is it's all kind of built in so you know they're one of their standard concepts that they'll run is they'll run a guy across in motion Tyreek or whoever is Waddle most of the time it's Tyreek just to get that element of speed so they'll either run him just right up the sideline which a lot of times it's not Tyreek doing that a lot of times Tyreek is the guy kind of running that intermediate route so that intermediate cut so the throw can happen. He finds the middle of the field more often than anybody in, in the NFL, oh, yeah. except for maybe Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And he does it in such a radically different and he's way. Just, yeah. So we're, if, if you're talking about Travis, it's like, I don't really know what Travis is going to run, but he's going to find open spot. Tyreek is running full speed through the middle of the field. Like he's not slowing down for nothing. And that's, that's the subtle difference in the offenses is the same play can be thrown in 1.8 seconds where they call that same play. And now if the protection holds up, all right, coverage didn't dictate. They're playing a little bit more of a softer zone coverage, not coming at me as fast. Tua has a really good sense of, I can hold this for another second. I can kind of, and that second, like think how far Tyreek, how much room he can cover in a second and a half. Like he's across the other side of the field. Yeah. So like, and I don't have to wait till he gets there. I can just throw it to that spot. So as I see him breaking, he's not there initially. And I, I can like, Tua has a great sense of being able to see like two more windows over. And he's like, I'll just, let me just lay it over here you know, 20 yards from where Tyreek is, and it takes another half, half a second to hold that football. But that's what, that's the beauty of Tyreek. Like, he never slows down, man. Like, in his routes, he's full speed through the middle of the defense. And, like, not a lot of people are brave enough to do that. That's, like, the, I think that's where, like, you get into Tyreek territory. You're talking about, like, greatest receivers of all time and what he's doing and the pace that he's on. Like, that's, that's an elite trait that guys just do not possess. I coach the game. I've watched it played. Andre Johnson's not running full speed to the middle of the defense like that. Like that takes some serious cojones, like to just trust your quarterback and your play caller and run four, two right through the middle of these guys. I mean, these guys are looking to destroy you, but he does it, man. He does it consistently. So it's, it's terrifying if you're a defense, cause he's not break. He's not sitting down in zone. When have you ever seen Tyreek stop? Like I've never seen him sit down in zone. Like that's like, it's been the classic wide receiver move. Like just f settle, find a space. Now he's full speed right through the middle of it. I'm going to find a crease. I'm going to hit it. So he's in attack mode at all the time. It's beautiful to watch. David said of the many marquee matchups available to us as viewers in week nine, the one that he would circle and watch would be the Dolphins and Chiefs. 
For the first time ever, the NFL kicks off in Frankfurt, Germany with that game on Sunday morning, exclusively on NFL Network. So set the alarm Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern only on NFL Network and streaming on NFL+. Plus. But let's talk about some of these other games. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Cowboys-Eagles. Great. Worries about Dak getting hit may inspire a quick passing game strategy. Yeah. That is a note that I took listening to you in a meeting yesterday morning. Please explain. Yeah, so like when you watch them play this last week, they actually did a really good job against the Rams of pushing the ball vertically for the first time literally all year. Like you, there's a reason that they scored a lot of points and they were attacking, they were aggressive. Like that's, that's where Dak has always thrived. Even when Kellen Moore was the play caller, like they were a vertical, even back in Jason Garrett days, like they were vertically attacking. And that's where he made, I mean, he, he, could, he could go five, six plays and score a touchdown. Like it, they would just turn that over consistently. And the way that they're geared and set up now in Mike McCarthy's offense is for longevity to keep Dak on the field. Because we know he's had injury issues. He's missed a lot of games, especially towards the end of the year. You know, not having Dak is like, okay, we don't have a chance, right? So their idea is let's keep him on the field. But man, like, like, like I've said before, like in these bigger games, you got to involve him in the run game you got to push the ball vertical. Now, Philly is uniquely qualified, you know, like maybe two or three other teams of being able to say, you know, we got five guys that are going to rush your passer. You're not going to be able to do that. So the battle that Mike McCarthy is facing right now as he sits in the meeting room is, okay, when can we hold it? When can we take shots vertically and maybe protect and maybe even not even protect as maybe as solid as we would want? Maybe let's get some guys out and just kind of roll the dice. So there has to be an element, 15 20% of your passes, where you're just rolling the dice that you can get the ball pushed vertically because Dak's really good at that. You know, and, and Philly, you know, they haven't necessarily been world beaters on the back end. Like, they've struggled a little bit on the back end in their secondary. They've made some moves to try to solidify that and play better. But they clearly know that that's a weakness. It's not as strong as they were last year. So I think that if Dallas has any chance, just like I said when they were playing the 49ers a month ago, put Dak in the run game. you got to do that or Nick Bosa is going to destroy you. The game was over. If you don't against Philly, at least roll the dice and try to push the football vertically. Like you're going to get into this world where you got to go 12, 15 plays against Philly's front. It's just not going to happen because you're going to have a run that goes for nothing, right? And then you're going to have second and 10. Now you got second and 10 and you got these guys. What are you going to do? You're going to drop back seven steps or take some time to kind of just look through the defense like the game's over, right? So for me, you got to build in on first down some chances to take some shots up the field, you know, and really push the envelope on offense. And, and like, so you risk getting hit, you know, you risk a sack, you know, like, but at least you're pushing the envelope because otherwise I just don't think that they can keep up with Philly, you know, on the, on the offensive side. Translation, David Carr's message to Mike McCarthy, you have to stay aggressive vertically because your yep. desire to protect Dak Prescott may actually hurt Dak Prescott yep. in a game like you are facing against the Eagles in Week 9. Let's turn to the third real kind of jump-off-the-page marquee matchup in Week 9 on the NFL schedule, Bills and Bengals. Now, we all remember with wince in our spirit, but also joy in our hearts that the last time these two faced each other in Cincinnati, that was the DeMar Hamlin game. So thrilled for DeMar and his family yeah, the man. way that story ended up. Uh, so glad that he is still with us. So glad that he is on that roster. So glad that we get to see him uh, on the sidelines and occasionally out there on the field. But this, this game takes on a very different feel now with a Bills team that is stumbling. 
yeah. almost bewildered. We saw Josh Allen after that latest loss, and I'd never seen this look before on his face. I've seen him disappointed. I've seen him angry. I've seen him triumphant. I've seen him shell-shocked when he knew that he would not have a chance to see the field in that loss in the playoffs yeah. against the Chiefs, of course. But I have never seen him as confused as I saw after that last loss, where he simply didn't have an answer for why the game went the way yeah. it went. Now they take on a Bengals team who has kind of had their number, has had the Chiefs number a little bit, yep. has a lot of teams' number, especially when Joe Burrow is healthy, as he seems to be certainly healthier now than he was a few weeks ago. How do you see this one going down? What does your gut tell you about how the Bills and Bengals game will play out in Cincy in Week 9? Yeah, so I look at what Joe Burrow is doing now, and I watch him move in the pocket, and he, I mean, he's fine. You know, he's completely <laughs> healthy. So it's it like does, it doesn't make sense. We yeah, sat here and shook our heads and man. said, oh "We my were God, about put the kid on IR." Put him on IR. Uh, that was three right. weeks ago. Now he's fine. He's, he's fine. totally fine. So we inspired him. We inspired yeah, maybe. I mean, that's terrifying though. Like if you're if you're the Bills or the Chiefs or anybody in the AFC, and you think that the Ravens in that same division, it's like, man, okay, these guys are going to play like this now. So here we go. So buckle up, right, Buffalo? Like, so when I look at Buffalo, it's really it's really cool when you like when you watch teams play. Like Joe is great at playing in rhythm, and like he's great at just deciphering what he's looking at, and he gets the ball out. But then he also throws the superhero cape on, and now he can move a little bit. He'll make plays with his legs, and it's kind of hidden yardage. Avoiding the sack that the way he did early in that game yeah, against the Niners it. in Week Eight was extraordinary. I was expecting. I kind of have this muscle memory of watching <laughs> Joe Theismann go down. We all know the play yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Let's not go into detail. But I saw a play like that developing, yeah. and then you know, half a second later, whoop, he, yeah, finds, he finds himself finds out of that grasp, out of another, and makes the play. Pretty extraordinary stuff. It is something that you wanted to draw our attention to in this game is that Josh Allen is being invited by some of these teams to do the very thing that gets him in trouble. Yes. And yet it's, it's the very thing that used to punish teams that allowed him to do it. That's right. It, it sounds like it's doublespeak, and yet it's not. Explain. No, it's, it's, it's a brilliant defensive philosophy, and this is why defensive coordinators who don't get any sleep and sometimes sleep in the office, this is where they get paid the big bucks. And it's really interesting because, you know, historically if you have a guy that can move like Josh can and makes the types of uh, dynamic plays outside the pocket, you want to keep him in the pocket. Yeah, don't let him, him out. Don't yeah, let him Don't let us. him out, right? He's going to hurt us when he gets out. Except. But they're doing the opposite, man. <laughs> It's like, what is happening? They're inviting it him out of the pocket with like, intention. Yes, it took me a while to figure it out. I'm like, why aren't they securing the edge here? And then I like, after like, you know, 20 minutes of watching it, I'm like, they're doing it on purpose. They're letting this guy out of the pocket on purpose because they know that it eliminates half the field. Now we just plaster to our guys, work him subtly to the right side, which is where he likes to escape, which most quarterbacks right-handed like to do that. And then he'll throw it away. He might make a play or two, but he's not going to complete 70% of his passes. He's not going to beat us like this. It's actually brilliant, man. And I wish, like, I mean, I can talk to Josh like that, but I, I, I hesitate even talking to Derek like that during the season to throw thoughts in their mind because they're, they're talking to their coordinator every day. They have a rhythm that they're in that I am not privy to. I'm not sitting in that meeting room. And so even my brother, I hesitate to do stuff like that unless he opens up you know, and ask a, a specific question about what I'm seeing. So I don't have that relationship with Josh, right? And I wouldn't even dare to go there. But if I did, I would say, guys, they're literally letting you out of the pocket on purpose. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Like there has to be some concept and somebody. And that's why like what you brought up as far as like his face of like, I don't know how to fix this because 
You know, I think that is the perfect picture because this used to work for me. Yes, this was like my strength. This is what I did my <laughs> this whole was my, life. This was my jam. When man. I first played in fifth grade, I escaped and right. made plays. Right. right? And right. now it's like I they want me to do that. Yeah. And I'm not having success. It's got to be just really... like you escaping the uh, the attentions <laughs> of Derek Brooks and, uh, yeah, and exactly. Ronnie Barber. Right. Exactly. So, but if they told me to do that every play, <laughs> it's not going to work out well for me. Like that, they're going to win those battles. I just got element of surprise. So like. That's Translation, uh, Josh Allen, if it feels too good to be true uh, with all <laughs> yeah, that space available exactly, to you man. on the edge, it probably is too yeah. good to be true. Gotta Stay be in the pocket and beat the Bengals that way, yeah. or at least David Carr suggests that may be the best way yeah, run the for ball, you be efficient, to beat the, get the Bengals. Ball out of your hand, right? Climb forward. Luna Anarumo is setting a trap for you, bro. bro don't step in. You don't think that my man Lou is going to do it? He's going to do exactly that. Like, it's going to just watch it. When you watch the game, like, I hope Josh gets his message before our podcast listeners do because they're going to be watching my man escape to the right probably 10 times. And you're like, dude, Dave told you it was going to happen. They don't listen. Hopefully they do. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We interrupt this podcast to bring you five things you may have missed in week eight in the NFL. And who do we have to bring us those things? Who else? Bridget Condon, welcome back to the pod. Thanks for having me back here, back in Los Angeles. Dude, I you've was done a lot of traveling over the last 24 hours. I was sweating. I have my like winter coat, my <laughs> leggings. It was two degrees in Detroit. It's like 80 here. I mean, time moves quick in the NFL and... I don't know. It time moves quick in the NFL, but Bridget Condon moves even faster than time because you covered that game last night in Detroit, and you are back in the chair on an ostensible day off. We cannot thank you enough for your time and for your eye in finding these things that a lot of us miss uh, during the course of an NFL week and an NFL game. Let's start with a good one. What do you have at number one? Five things you may have missed in week eight. Bridget Condon, take it to the bridge. Number one, starting off Halloween week with this one. I know Halloween was yesterday, but we got to still talk about Halloween. The costume of the year. Who, who, the who, who, little who kid it? who dressed up as Mike McDaniel. <laughs> Did you see this? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. He looks just like him. He has the gray sweatsuit on, the play card. He's got the headset. He's got the watch. He's even running. Does, you know, he, have, does he have the uh, the camo Crocs? Because Mike McDaniel has been known to wear my camo Croc. Not really? mine, but these camo Crocs on the sideline. Well, I don't Keep think an eye he out can, for his shoe game. I don't think he can wear Crocs anymore now that he started doing that little run from the camera oh God, that's right. during halftime. The little <laughs> kid right. did it. His mom or whoever posted the video filmed him doing that. He even had the sweatpants rolled up. I mean, 
amazing. It's I love so this. Cool. Okay, so we've seen Andy Reid, uh, the Andy Reid yes. fan, right, who goes to the Chiefs games. We used to see a lot of Ditka fans, of course, uh, at Bears games. But now we have a little kid who's doing, who's bringing Mike McDaniel to life in his own way. So funny. He was asked about it in his Monday morning availability about people dressing up like him. And he said, I have no idea. I refuse to accept that as a reality. <laughs> Just so, I mean, the Mike McDaniel story, we talk about it He's all the amazing. time, especially here, but so fun so cool i love it little kids looking up to him oh my god things are just so so positive in miami right now look mike you know it i know it bridget certainly knows it imitation is the sincerest form of flattery you are being imitated believe it bro it's real that's one thing we may have missed in week eight uh what's number two the eagles are playing with all of us we have been talking about this push tush tush push what is it tush push brotherly shove whatever you want to call it People want it outlawed because the Eagles can do it and nobody else can figure it out. Well, now let's add another layer to the fire. The fake tush push. Oh, yeah, okay, I did see this. Here's what they did. Instead of Jalen Hurts being pushed over the middle for the first down, they hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift. He runs it in, I believe, seven yards for a touchdown. They beat the Commanders, a big divisional matchup, and now everyone's like, okay, well, are you going to push the pile? Are you going to hand it off? What is going on? A lot of people thought maybe they should have saved it for the playoffs, but... I mean, what more can we get from this tush-push? What's the next version? Serious head games uh, offered up by this Eagles offense. Todd Jensen, you heard Bridget describe it. Let's play it for the listener here. And Hertz is just going to take the victory. No, he gives it off. It's a fake show. And he goes in for the touchdown. Listen, they line up for the shove. They fake shove. Give it to Swift off the left side. And he's in for the touchdown. That gives all the other teams more to worry about now, more to study when you line up for the brotherly shove. Okay, I do love that. And I agree with you that maybe you hold off until the playoffs. However, if you show your hand now that we have a variation on this thing that you expect and everybody kind of runs in for that rugby scrum and now, oh, oh, no, now it's the greased pig routine and it's off to the side. It's in somebody else's hands that you didn't expect. Now they're making you nervous every time they get into that look. So maybe it's good to reveal that early. So we just stay guessing for the rest of the year. We stay pushing. Say <laughs> That's the second pushing. thing, the fake tush push. Uh, number three, what you got? Jameer Gibbs, how fun has it been to watch this rookie? Dude, uh, last night, I mean, I can't believe this was last night for you because we are recording this on Tuesday, but it's airing on Wednesday morning. But this is last night for Bridget Condon. The kid went off. What an electric environment. I had only ever been to Ford Field for a preseason game. Being there for a game, their first Monday awesome? night game at I've never, I've never gone there. to a game there. I have family in Detroit. They are avid Lions you know fans. What, one of my favorite What's things What's up, is, my tinny X? <laughs> you know what my favorite thing about covering a game there, which a lot of stadiums don't do it, and I appreciate Ford Field. So what listeners might not know is when we cover games, we sit in the press box. And a lot of times it is gla- in like a glass box, like your owner suite or whatever. And yeah. so you don't get the feeling of the fans as much as if you're sitting in the stand because you have that separation of the glass. Right, right. There is no glass in the press box in Ford Field. So literally you're just sitting up there and you could stick your hand down 
you know, you wouldn't be able to reach a fan. I but love you that. You can though. stick it out. But that's so Detroit. No one in Detroit feels like they're better than anybody yeah. else in Detroit, and no one in Detroit thinks that anybody else is better than them. That's so Detroit. But it also makes you feel like you're at the game. I love that. I love being able to be like, okay, I was there. Because a lot of times it's like you're watching it in a separate room from the fans, and you're not getting the full vibe. Okay, so, so you were feeling the full it. vibe yes, when Jameer okay. Gibbs now, went off. Now, here's, here's, let me just. Uh, pull back the curtains a little bit more. I have these big binoculars. My eyesight isn't great. So I bring these big binoculars to the game so that I can like look down on the field. Bridget Condon, bird if watcher. You, if you ever see me tweeting like so-and-so's in the blue tent or so-and-so just had a conversation, it's because like my <laughs> me and my goggles was locked in on Devontae Adams last night. She's but at the opera when, in a really bad seat. When uh, Jameer Gibbs scored that touchdown, yes. I had him in my little binoculars. Okay, and what did you and see? And I, I followed him. He ran out of the end zone to the end of the like stands where a lot of people do the leap. You know, we know the Lambo leap. Yep, yep, yep. Usually they just leap up to the fans. The fans like pat him on the bat yeah. and they go down. He jumped up the this lady yeah. props to her yeah, i don't I know what she's this. curling she is she pulled him in he was literally in the stands i said to my producer next to me i was like jameer gibbs is literally in the stands right now and then they showed it on tv and everyone was <laughs> cracking up that was just amazing his first home rushing touchdown that crowd the excitement there's just oh my goodness dan campbell the lions we can't talk highly enough about you right now i hope they continue this momentum because it has just been so fun to watch look it was a bad loss for the lions in week seven again Against the Ravens. They come back in week eight to finish the last act of week eight drama on Monday night and to do what they did. Look, they played a bad Raiders team, but you still have to get those wins. And the way that they did it with a punishing running game with the explosive Jameer Gibbs, who that place went so crazy, they pulled his ass into the stands. A woman in Detroit pulled his ass into the stands. It's an amazing image. Find it on YouTube. Go check it out, listener. That's the third thing we may have missed in week eight in the NFL. What's number four? All right, no Taylor Swift, which might make a lot of people happy, but we still had Taylor Swift. Didn't make me happy, and it certainly didn't make the Chiefs happy because they're better when she's there. She wasn't there. They weren't good. The Broncos with the massive upset, 24-9 over the Chiefs. Their first win over the Chiefs since September of 2015. You know who was the quarterback? Patrick Mahomes was still in college. Alex Smith was their quarterback. Peyton Manning was the Broncos quarterback. After the game, this is hilarious. I don't know who's in charge. You know it has to be someone in the younger generation because I don't oh think God. people... I think I can feel what's coming. Yeah, what I don't think... to tell me? They play through the stadium, Shake It Off by of Taylor Swift. Did. Of course As the game ends. Trolling the Chiefs in the wake of a loss. How quickly... Taylor Swift music echoing around I Mile need the high. behind the scenes. How I don't know if I like this or they, loathe this. It's kind of great. How quickly do they say, oh my God, get this on the playlist? Like, was that a plan? Did they have it? <laughs> you know it? damn well that they had that ready in the off chance. that Somebody said to somebody else, look, in the off chance that we actually get this dub, let's have that ready to go. Do you think, or do you think it was like... Like, All right, like let's scramble, quarter. get it in, let's do it, we won, how did this happen? Look, either way, it resonates, either way, it it, it hurts the Chiefs right where they live, um, and you know, fair play to the Broncos. Hey, you could have played anything, you played Taylor Swift. So look, Taylor's getting pub, even in a way that's, you know, right? that, even in a way that's backhanded, she's still getting the pub, so good for her, good for the Broncos, not so good for the Chiefs. That's the fourth thing we may have missed, and I did miss that, I did not know that that was the case, way to go, you Trolling Broncos finish strong. What's number five? Trevor Lawrence and the Jags six and two, along with the Dolphins, Chiefs, and Ravens in the AFC. Are you surprised? 
Um, no, I'm not actually. Okay. Because only because I believe in this team and I sort of bought the off season hype about this team that they were going to be, you know, I think one of our colleagues said that they will be the number one seed in the AFC. And when I heard that, mm. and when I heard such a strong declaration of, of intention on behalf of the Jags, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to look at these guys a little differently. So I'm not totally surprised, but I had to be sold. Uh, what are you going to tell me about the Jags? Our very own James Palmer was at the game in uh, Pittsburgh what up, kid? against the Steelers, and he posted this awesome video of Trevor Lawrence taking a lot of time after the game, signing every fan's autograph. He was the last player to leave the field, and to me, that just speaks to who this Jags team is, wow. what Doug Peterson is doing down there in Jacksonville. To have your star quarterback have a heck of a game, lead this team to a 6-2 and two record, into their, they're heading into the bye, and spend the time not just signing one or two autographs, but taking his time really to sign multiple autographs, be the last person on the field. So many people, what, two years ago, were talking, Trevor Lawrence must have just been good in college. He's not going to pan out in the NFL. He's going to be one of those quarterbacks who was drafted high and it doesn't work out. Look at him now. You know, look at him with a great coach in Doug Peterson and what he's capable of doing. Just so humble, too, to be doing that. Another guy you can't help but root for. The hair apparent Trevor Lawrence. Uh, was he signing Pantene bottles? Is that, is that no, what No, but I thought? just thought, um, I wonder how many people have dressed up as him for Halloween. That's usually a popular <laughs> well, I one. quite a few, right? Yeah, the blonde Quite wig. a few down in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, listen, I love that. I used to work in entertainment for years and attended a lot of red carpet events and Oscars and Emmys and all those sort of things, but also, you know, movie premieres. And you could always tell the measure of a human being, the stars that were there to the end, signing all the autographs. I don't know what you think of Tom Cruise, listener. Um, I like his movies. I sort of like try to try to stay out of the off the off camera stuff. But in terms of a movie star, I, I watched Tom Cruise show up to a friend's movie premiere. Tom wasn't even in the movie. And he was crushed by fans when they found out that he was there. He came on his motorcycle. He's wearing jeans and a T-shirt. And when they found out that he was there, they were calling for him from outside the movie theater here in Westwood. Tom Cruise went outside, and he signed every single autograph. It was dark by the time he left. Everybody else, including all of the camera crews that came to cover this movie premiere, had gone by the time that Tom Cruise said wow. thank you and goodbye to the last of his fans. Hundreds of signatures he gave out on that day. Trevor Lawrence pulling a page from that book. That goes a long way with me, somebody who's willing to look his or her fans in the face and say, I appreciate you being here. I've got time for you because you've made time for me. You know what? That just sparked my mind, and I'm bummed at myself for not including this in the five things. So we need to add an honorable Oh, here we go. Thing. A sixth thing going, we may have missed in week eight. Go. Yeah, going off of that. Yeah. Did you see Kirk Cousins signing the autograph for the little boy uh, the day after he tore his Achilles? No. It was at, I believe, a Halloween event. This Amazing. woman posted a picture, or it might have been a man. Excuse me for not, um, this was not one that I researched, but I just remember seeing this on my timeline. He made the time to go to this event or whatever and sign autographs. Yeah. The day after, he tears his Achilles, you know. I mean, in that moment, too, it just, those are guys that you really root for. Kirk Cousins is like that all-American quarterback, he right? Is. And to have your season end and still be at a community event 
being like, you know, this is bigger than me. I know that this kid probably was waiting for this moment and what happened to me shouldn't change what he's been waiting for. I think we got a sense of the measure of the man of Kirk Cousins in the moments after his Achilles was torn. First of all, even in that play, he attempted to continue forward and get yep. some positive yardage on that play, which tells you a lot about his strength, his grit, his determination, and his pain tolerance. And then, of course, when he was put on that cart, he puts that hat on, and he's probably saying a prayer to himself, the Kirk Cousins that we know. But he also was pumping his fist, rooting on his yeah. guys, Ugh. putting a smile on his face, managing to sort of like grit a smile and a look of positivity and enthusiasm through what, what must have been excruciating physical and emotional pain, knowing these guys know my season's over. Who knows what that means uh, for my future? Kirk Cousins, good on you. Hey, Trevor Lawrence, good on you too for being the last guy to leave that field, signing all those autographs. I guess we should say good on the Broncos uh, PA announcer for playing the, the Taylor <laughs> Swift music. You're certainly topical, so it was a good choice, and it certainly trolled the losing Chiefs in the wake of that loss, that rather stunning loss, 24-9 at Mile High. Jameer Gibbs running into the stands with the help of a very strong, a surprisingly strong Lions fan. The Eagles, fake tush push. They've given us something else to game plan for. It was already hard enough, Eagles. Jesus, take a day off. And Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel costume, maybe the best costume. I'm going to find this one, Bridget, because I hadn't seen that. But the little kid dressed up as Mike McDaniel, I love the sound of it. Listener, go find it. And let's thank Bridget Condon for her time. Thank you so much for giving us five, no six things we may have missed in week eight in the NFL. Looking ahead to week nine, where can we find you? Thank you uh, for having me. Find me on Twitter at Bridget Condon underscore. Still working on that at Bridget Condon username. We got to get that girl out of there. And uh, Instagram at Bridget Condon TV. I don't even know what's going on week nine. I got to go home and figure it out. I'll but tell you what, I'll we you just know. spent some time on this <laughs> podcast talking to David Carr. There are some great games on the schedule. Go dive into that. We'll see you next week. Thanks for your time, Bridge. Thanks for having me. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with David Carr. And before we shut down this gold mine of Week 9 matchups, because it really is yeah. giving us a lot of nuggets here, we found a rather large hunk of gold in the shape of a bird. But I can't tell if it's a raven or a seahawk. The ravens play the seahawks, yeah, and this a is a game, game that you would not let us finish the meeting yesterday without yeah. talking about why is this game so interesting There's to you? There's so many different elements. Like, I even kind of, to myself, I was like, could this be a Super Bowl matchup? Like, you know, you think about, like, like Gino is really... I think half of it could be. I'm not buying yeah. the Seahawks half. No, I'm not either. But, 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 but what it's I an do interesting like, question. Yeah, what I, what I do like about how Gino's playing is, like, he has almost blind faith in his guys down the field, and, like, he's thrown into some tight windows, man, and they have some good elements there. You know, defensively, they're playing better. 
They made a trade for Leonard Williams. Like that's going to only make them better. So I think, you know, they, they pose an interesting, like an out, like for Baltimore Ravens who everyone looks at now, and I, I would put them in the top five in the NFL. Like they have a good football team, but this is a great test because like you talk about the Ravens are trying to find themselves in the passing game and they did last week. Right. But Seattle has a great pass defense. They really cover down. They understand your route concepts. They understand that they're going to play their defensive structure. Like you're not going to get us out of our stuff. And then and Bobby's still there and he's lining guys up correctly. And they're great as far as diagnosing plays. I think this is a great test, man. It's going to be really hard for Baltimore to just go out on there and walk down the field on this team. And then I think Seattle can score with them too, but Man, Baltimore's defense, not since like the 2000s have I seen them play this good. I mean, this is like early 2000 type stuff. Like, they really are. We had, uh, who'd we have on the show the other day? Patrick Queen, right? Roquan Smith. Like, they look at this group. Like, there's nothing they can't do. They can rush the passer, they can cover from the linebacker position. You know, they play well against the run. It's a great group, man. So Baltimore is going to be fun. They're a good football team going forward, but Seattle's going to have something to say about it. How good a defense is this playing in Baltimore right now? Well, currently the best defense in the NFL. Good. This may be a race to 20 points, David. Baltimore's defense yeah, is only allowing 15.1 points a game. Seattle's defense, not top 10, but right outside of the top 10. They're 11th in the NFL, allowing only 19.7 points a game. So Old two very good knocker. defenses, right, going up against each other. The game is in Baltimore. It certainly feels like the edge is probably going to Baltimore when you consider they have a pretty damn good offense, yep. which pairs pretty well with that number one defense. And Gino, to me anyway, is starting to show a few cracks in that armor, that impervious armor that we saw yeah. last season. He is starting to get yeah. punished for decisions. You yeah. talked about the tight window throws. He's starting to get punished in ways this season that he simply wasn't last season. And maybe that's just a balance of luck and arithmetic and all of the rest. Where does your gut tell you this game will go? Do you have a, a how in mind? Is it low scoring? Is it high scoring? Do you feel like a team separates early do the Ravens have the edge who wins it and how I think the Ravens I would be I would be more surprised if Seattle came out and really got after Baltimore I don't see that happening at all I think the most realistic possibly scenario is probably like a you know 24 to 17 victory by Baltimore that makes a lot of sense to me I think it's going to be hard for because I think that when you start putting on film what Gino's done and I get excited because I see him make these tight window throws but let's be real, like you can't survive in the NFL doing that. And like you said, he's starting to pay for some of those sins. So I think that that is one of those things that on the road, that tends to catch up with you. Like maybe your throws a little bit off, right? You're a little bit late. You don't see it quite as well as you do at home for whatever reason. And you kind of miss some of those targets. So I could very easily see that happening. I could see Baltimore getting after him too, right? And making it like uncomfortable to watch just because that's how good I think this football team can be. And they're really starting to like find their stride. But, man, it'd be fun to see Seattle kind of compete with them, and I think defensively they can. That's the real matchup for me is Seattle's defense. I think they don't really let you confuse them. They, they know who they are. They know what they're going to play, and they have some good components. And so Baltimore's offense is they're just trying to find themselves in the passing game. That's the real matchup for me. Like, if Baltimore comes out and they throw the ball all over the place, they kind of do what they want against Seattle. Like, that's where you can say, okay, Baltimore's for real. Like, they're legit AFC contenders. Well, if, if that happens, you're absolutely right, because yeah. facing Tariq Woolen and yeah. uh, Devin Witherspoon, I can't imagine anybody going into a game against those guys thinking we're going to throw the ball around on them. Right. But who knows? Maybe it's intermediate stuff. Well, I think that maybe that's what it is. It's the RPO stuff. It's like the, the run action with the pass that they've tried to build into this system. It started to look really good the last couple of weeks, and even last week it was really good. So if they're able to say, okay, we can take your elite secondary, and if we give them a little something, extra to look at let's see how they respond to it because if 
they can do it against them. They can do it against anybody. Four games that really, if you have a chance to watch all four, do yourself a favor and do it. Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, Chiefs. That's the first game coming from Frankfurt, Germany. First thing Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern right here on NFL Network. And a sneaky great game between the Seahawks and the Ravens in Baltimore. David Carr, thank you so much for your time. You got it, man. Can't wait. I want to invite the listener to join us next time when Steve Smith Sr. will be the man in the chair. You know you're going to get nothing but unbridled truth from that guy. Uh, Steve agrees that we are talking about the right games in Week 9, but he says we're talking about the wrong guys. What does he mean? You know he's going to tell us. That's on Wednesday evening. Until then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.